0: The song we just sang, To God Be the Glory, uh, that that should be our objective in this life, to give glory to God, to be able to praise God, praise the Lord, let the earth hear His voice. And as uh, Devin pointed out at the start, this world is not our home. It's only a temporary place. We talked a little bit about that in class this morning. And so this morning, the song kind of fits in really with what I'm going to speak about. I told the class this morning that when I found out about 8 o'clock that Kevin wasn't going to be here, I started thinking about what I was going to do. And Linda suggested that I've got all kinds, she has all kinds of notes in her Bible. said, why don't you use something of mine? So... (coughs) I am. I did then. I did for class, and I will this morning too. But it's uh, it's going to be a lesson on goals, and uh, to God be the glory. That should be our objecti- objective. That should be our goal in this life: to do what God wants us to do. <clears throat> Excuse me. And when I talk about goals, uh, we're getting toward the end of the year, but this is not. I would not. I don't know what a typical year in uh goal-oriented sermon might be, but some of these goals might fit in, in there, that we need to have things, you always got to have things in your forefront to know what you need to do in this life. Even if you don't really name them as goals, you don't write out a list, you always need, we always need something in front of us to know, <clears throat> to know where we are going. Even Jesus himself obviously gave goals to his disciples in chapter in Luke chapter 18 verse 1 it says that he Jesus spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not lose heart he's telling his disciples you need to pray you need to pray you need not lose heart and praying will help you not to lose heart and when we talk about prayer, do we have prayer in our lives? I hope we can all say yes, we do. But in Matthew chapter six, and verse beginning in verse five, I believe, verse five, Jesus says, "And when you pray, again, he's talking to his disciples. When you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites." There were hypocrites then. People talk about hypocrites today in the church. There were hypocrites then. You shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. If that's what they want, men to be able to see them, men to be able to know that they are righteous men, that they are godly men, then that's their reward because they were recognized by those who, who saw them. We need to pray more. Part of the reading from uh, Brad was 1 Thess- Thessalonians chapter 5.17. Pray without ceasing. A very short verse, three words. Pray without ceasing. You and I always need to pray to God. We need not lose heart. And it's easy in this world in any world generations before us also not just us but it's easy to lose heart we can be discouraged so easily we can have things happen in our lives that we don't want to happen but they but they do and so it's easy to lose heart but if we always have that confidence that we can go to our father and god in prayer it's going to be much easier not to lose heart We need to pray, we need to pray often, we need to pray without ceasing. We need to be able to know that God is there. God is willing to listen to us. We know that God, the Bible tells us, hears the prayers of a righteous man. If you're godly, God is going to hear your prayer. If you only go to God at a time when you're in trouble or when there's some dire circumstance, or your life is in jeopardy, or some loved one in your life is sick with a terminal illness, if that's the only time you go to God, is God going to hear you? I'm not going to tell you He's not, but God, the Bible says God hears the prayers of a righteous man. Uh, and, we, and we find examples in the Bible from the Old Testament all the way through where men did pray to God and prayers were answered. <coughs> We need to have an attitude of God. So the first goal we need to pray more. Secondly, we need to study more, and those kind of go hand in hand, do they not? I mean, if we if if, if we pray, we need to study to know what we're praying for and and to whom we pray to God, obviously. <coughs> in Second Timothy chapter two and verse fifteen, <coughs> a familiar verse i think probably to most of us i can get turned to it here <coughs> be diligent the apostle paul writing to timothy says be diligent to present yourself approved to god a worker who does not need to be ashamed rightly dividing the word of truth do you have the ability to do, rightly divide the word of truth do i have that ability I would hope I have some of that ability, and I would hope that you have some of that ability. But we don't get that ability just by happenstance. It comes from studying, by being diligent, presenting ourselves to be approved before God, be a worker who does not need to be ashamed. And sometimes we see people, see Christians that are ashamed to do what God wants them to do. We need not be ashamed, but rather do the work that God wants us to do, and then being able to rightly divide the word of truth. Study. How much can you study? You know, we can read the Bible. Uh, At the first of this year, Kevin passed out a schedule to read through the Bible in a year. I don't know how many are doing that, but Linda and I are doing that. And it's it's a great thing just to be able to read the Bible because you can learn so much. But there's a difference in just reading and studying. Uh, you need to read, obviously, or you're not going to be able to study. But you need to contemplate that word. Not just read the words there on the pages, but be able to study it and, and put into action what God wants you to do. Goal number three. And there'll be six of them. Goal number three is to attend more the services of God. Now, I understand this subject comes up fairly often with different people. But in Hebrews, the writer there in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 says, Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. And then verse 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, the so much the more as you see the day approaching. Again, I need to ask myself the question do I exhort those who are not w- attending worship regularly? Do I encourage them to do that? Do you do that? We all need to be part of that encouragement. All need to be doing those kind of things. And it doesn't just have to be services like on the first day of the week, this morning, Sunday, gathering here. We need to be here, and we are here. All of us are here, obviously. But it, it needs to. we need to have an attitude that it would include other services also, whether it be a gospel meeting, whether it be Sunday evening services, Wednesday evening Bible study, uh, other studies that may be going on. We need to have an attitude of being together. Verse 24 again, let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. How are you going to stir up love among the brethren if you're not here? Can you do that? I don't think you can. So we need to understand that we need to be here when it's possible. You know, Kevin's down on his back this morning. There are reasons sometimes not to be be here. Uh, Hank and Nellie Martin are not here. and told me on the phone this morning that he was in terrible pain. So there are reasons people can't be here. But if there are no barriers in your way except coming back, except changing whatever your plans might be, we need to have an attitude of wanting to come to worship, to worship God, to give Him the praise and the glory that we sang about just a few moments ago. We need to do that. We need to be in attendance. We need to want to do that. Fourth goal this morning from 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 16. We need to be thinking and re-examine ourselves, so to speak, with our giving. Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given orders to the churches of Galatia, so you must do also. This is the Apostle Paul writing to the church in Corinth. And he says, I've already given orders to the churches in Galatia, so you must do this also. On the first day of the week, let each one of you lay something aside, storing up as he may prosper, that there be no collections when I come. And when I come, whomever you approve by your letters... I will send to bear your gift to Jerusalem but if it is fitting that I go also they will go with me You know we 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 need to examine ourselves and you know we all have physical examinations we all have a need to go to a doctor at some point in our lives uh some more some less but we but we we know that we need to examine our own bodies to make sure that everything is working the way it's supposed to. Our body parts are supposed to work in a certain way, so we need to make sure that we maintain that the best we can and examine ourselves. But we need to examine ourselves in other areas also. Just previously we talked about attendance. Examine yourself. Am I really attending the way I need to? Am I really, in this case, giving as I should? You and I need to examine our prosperity. And we give out of our prosperity we give because god commands us to the apostle paul through the corinthian letter tells us that that we need to do those kinds of things also second corinthians chapter uh eight i believe it is we're told to be told to be cheerful givers we need to give cheerfully not grudgingly we need to give knowing that it's the right thing to do not because I've got to give that's what the scripture says I've got to give so this is what I'm going to give we need to give because we understand the money we have we need to give because we understand that God expects us to give cheerfully and give in such a manner that we're giving the proper amount. Those are all things that we as individuals have to do to examine ourselves, but we need to examine ourselves for that. Uh, you can look at the uh, offering from last Sunday, and that's pretty generally much true one week from the other, but this church is going to have to have some discussion before too very long about finances, and uh, and, and that'll take place, and this congregation will have to be a part of that. But uh, we, you know, we need to, the church needs to support a preacher, perhaps preaching in other places, uh, just the upkeep of the building, lights, electricity, water, all those kind of things. Our main goal is to provide, to preach the Word of God. Amen. And we need to have our minds set and examined individually, so that we are doing the right thing in that, in that respect. We need to have an attitude of giving. We need to be cheerful, and we need to be purposeful. We need to have a purpose in our mind as to what we're going to give. <clears throat> Point number five, goal number five. We need to be encouraging Christians more we knew that for all of us here who are Christians which is most of us probably we need to be encouraging Ourselves we need to be encouraging one another each other To do the things that are right in God's sight in Galatians chapter 6 the Apostle Paul again writing beginning in verse 9 Paul says, writes, and let us not grow weary while doing good. How many of us, if we do something good, grow weary? I don't think most of us, if we're doing good things, are going to grow weary. But some people do because perhaps their attitude is not correct. But Paul says, let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Again, there's a goal out there. There's an objective out there. If we don't lose heart, we're going to reap the good things eternally. Therefore, in verse 10, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all. That's all. Especially to those who are of the household of faith. You and I have a, a for lack of a better word, a special Uh, position with one another. We have a special relationship one with another because we are children of God. We are Christians. We have been baptized. We've had our sins washed away. We need to have that sense of responsibility toward one another. It's not just something that happens. We need to work at all of those kind of things. Not grow weary. That means we work at it day after day. All good things don't happen just by happenstance. They come about in many many ways because we need to work at them. Uh, Whatever our jobs are or have been in the past, we need to do our best to achieve the best for our employers, to achieve the best for our companies. With God, we need to do our very best to do what God wants us to do. As we have opportunity, and we all have opportunities, we pass them up sometimes, we let opportunities go by to do good, but we need to understand that God will hold us accountable for failing to do those things that we need to do. We need to be encouraging one another. So many times we hear of brothers and sisters in a particular congregation or someplace else, or even in our own congregations where people are not encouraging, instead they're discouraging because of some of the things they say to somebody or the way they say something to somebody, and I realize people perceive things in a wrong way sometimes, but we need not be a part of speaking to one another in a way that's going to discourage but rather we need to encourage. If someone's, if someone's involved in a sin, we need to exhort that person. We need to point that out to that person, but not in a discouraging way. It needs to be done in a loving way and in a way that God is going to be pleased with, and that person is going to see that we are earnest and indeed wanting to do what is right, and we want that person who is in error to come back and do what's right. Do good unto all, especially to those of the household of faith. Goal number six, we need to invite others. Now, I don't know how many of you here today that invited somebody. i got to say, I didn't invite anybody to come this morning. There, there are times, when I do, but too many times, I don't. We need to understand that we have an obligation just to the Christian who may be erring And to point out lovingly to that Christian that he's in error, we also need to be able to see those of the world, see those we come in contact, with whom we come in contact each day, whether that be your next-door neighbor, the person across the street, down the street, the checkout person at a grocery store, a gas station attendant, whoever it might be, we need to understand that we have an obligation to teach the world. The disciples were told to go into all the world. Well, we're in the world. We're not of the world, but we're in the world, and we need to be able to do that. We need to encourage those outside of God's, uh, outside of the church to come with us. All we do is teach the Bible. That's our main goal is to teach the Bible and tell them what you're going to hear when you come is what the Bible tells us to do that is what we strive to do and that's what we want to do and we need to do that also in in the book of John the gospel of John chapter 1 we find there a good example of people being invited John chapter 1 verse 30 beginning in verse 35 and these here this here is talking about the first disciples, where Jesus chose his disciples. Again the next day, John, that is John the Baptist, stood with two of his disciples, and looking at Jesus as he walked, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him speak, and they followed him. Then Jesus turned, and seeing them following, said to them, What do you seek? They said to him, Rabbi, which is to say, when translated, teacher, Where are you staying? They wanted to know where Jesus was staying. And Jesus said to them, Come and see. They came and saw where he was staying and remained with him that day. And now it was about the tenth hour. One of the two men who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, We have found the Messiah which is translated to Christ and he and he brought him to Jesus now when Jesus looked at him he said you are Simon the son of Jonah you shall be called Cephas these this gathering of these disciples came about due to other men I mean all these men inviting another come and see come with me do this do that these men we can take as an example of inviting uh, these these men were not educated men they were not learned men they were fishermen but when they were invited they came to follow jesus they came to be the disciples they came to a point where they would suffer in their lives and we too as as godly people the bible says the apostle paul wrote to timothy and said All those who choose to be godly will suffer persecution. Now, you and I don't suffer persecution physically. Who knows? Could come to that, I suppose, in our lifetimes. Uh, But we, we will suffer in some way. By being a Christian, by doing what God wants us to do, we are going to suffer in some respect. Well, there's some six goals this morning for us to remember. To pray more, to study more, to work on attending more, to re-examine our giving, encouraging Christians more than we are now, and inviting others to come and do what God wants them to do, to participate with us, to become children of God. Most of us today, as I said, are probably children of God. and and. And we know what God has in store for us. Uh, God, God has the glory that we give to Him. He's, his glory is there. It's for us to accept and it's for us to choose to do to be the person that we want to be, we need to be. Praise the Lord that we have God's Word to do that. This morning, if you're not a Christian, if there be someone here who is not a christian not a child of god we invite you this morning to do those things that are right you, which after hearing god's word if you believe it you repent of your sins you confess that jesus is the son of god and then be baptized to wash away your sins for the remission of sins acts 238 There's other scriptures for the confession. The eunuch made that good confession. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. What hinders me from being baptized? If you need to do that this morning, we ask you to do that. If you're a child of God, you've fallen away, perhaps some of these goals we talked about, you've let slip away in your life, you need to consider that seriously. If you have public sin in your life, come forward, tell the church, we will pray for you. If you have a private sin, go to your father in prayer. Not like the hypocrite, not like the Pharisees, not like those wanted, but go into your closet and pray to God to forgive you of whatever that individual sin might be. If you're subject to that invitation, we'd ask you to come while we stand and sing.